In this report, green cars, clean tech, carbon neutrality, net zero, sustainability. That's right. Let us deconstruct the latest generation of 2022 green automotive marketing bullshit and maybe, just maybe, get a little bit more scientifically literate in the process. It's easy to sound green, but a lot harder actually to be green. This report is inspired in part by recent comments from you. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's... Is it? Up there now, dude. It's not green. It doesn't even purport to be sustainable. So I guess that's honest. And just quickly, before we kick Electric Volvo in the nuts once again, I'd like to thank you sincerely for your interest in my recent collaboration with independent journo legend from Australia, Michael West. The response to that recent two-parter here and over on the West report has been both outstanding and humbling. Links in the description to both of those if you've not yet seen them. And thank you sincerely. We might do it again and... Just so you know, my cunning plan for 2022 is to get more guests here in the Fat Cave, have real conversations with interesting dudes and dudettes, and also do a bit more practical hands-on stuff with automotive applications. The better for you, perhaps, to become a proper madman of metallurgical mayhem, even if you're a chick. Chicks love that stuff, especially when they can weld and hubby can't, because he's, you know, a politician or a PR person. Now, last week, you might recall, the Chinese electric Volvo dudes at Polestar dropped the neutrality bomb on Australia after driving a Polestar 2 across the Nullarbor and recharging using a chip fat powered diesel generator named Biofill. <gasps> Located on the bumfuck meridian, the arbitrary line of longitude separating east bumfuck from west bumfuck, passing right through the centre of Kaiguna Station. Here's what they said about that. To turn a waste product into a CO2 neutral charging solution which connects Australian EV owners from the east with the west is the sort of ingenuity that has led to so many Australian innovations. Sammy J there could have been a rapper I suppose but instead chose the more conservative option and became managing director of Chinese Electro Swede Australia. Apparently they really do believe that crap. Biofill extracts energy from waste oil using a generator, but is an entirely net zero exercise with no incremental impact on the environment. The vegetable oil for the fryers comes from seed crops such as canola and sunflower, which absorb CO2 and sunlight, and the CO2 produced to power the charge system is the equivalent to CO2 absorbed. Quote, an entirely net zero exercise with no incremental environmental impact because CO2 is plant food and we're just giving it back. Paraphrasing the last bit, obviously. 
I've already done a report detailing the incredible amount of additional CO2 involved in getting a crop actually sown and harvested and processed into an industrial agriculture consumer product such as cooking oil. I'll put a link up there so you can catch up, just or not. The reason they can get away with saying bullshit like this is the average person in this country is a scientifically illiterate muppet. Personal opinion. Because here in Australia, it is disgracefully cool to be dumb. And that's got to change if we want to take effective climate action or climb out of this position we're in as a global laughingstock, let's not forget. Here's the evidence of ambient Australian scientific Muppetification. A cow farts, it is methane. A coal mine farts, dinosaur farts, it is natural gas. Meaningless punctuation. The cow cancels it out with the grass it eats. Rowan Brecknell there. Must have missed punctuation day in English all those years ago. And every science class. Dinosaurs? Really? Rowan's not alone on this, sadly. My 80 series ran on used cooking oil for many years. I saw it as more sustainable than dinosaurs. It was both renewable and reusable. Mark Reedman there. It wasn't reusable, Mark. It was a waste product. Reusable is when you use the same thing again and again, dude. A hammer is reusable. You only used... Each litre of waste oil once, I'd suggest. And dinosaurs, again. Dude, hydrocarbons are in fact produced by layers of dead plant matter, pressed and cooked in specific geological conditions over millions of years. Plants, dude, not dinosaurs. Hydrocarbons, coal, oil, natural gas, are literally nature's carbon capture system. Not dead dinosaurs, sorry. That would be far more attractive. It's a better story, it's just not true. The reason we're in trouble is the rapid liberation of all that captured carbon. That's scientifically certain at this point. Vegetable oil is certainly renewable, but not carbon neutral because of the tremendous input energy on the industrial side of the equation. So there's that. Unfortunately, even this is arguable, apparently. If waste oil being used isn't there a benefit because the initial inputs, i.e. CO2, involved in manufacture of the cooking oil has already been expended. They are simply repurposing a waste product as I see it, so where does any additional CO2 inputs come into the picture other than burning the oil? Either way, it's not my idea of a greener future for the motor industry, that's for sure. Kevin Blythe there. Kevy. Blythe. A couple of problems with that, dude. For starters, it's a very selective way of looking at the problem. It's the way the mafia often does business, like we can allocate the CO2 involved in getting chip fat to the bumfuck meridian, to the truckie who buys the chips. Yes, because obviously chips are essential. And let's face it, there's nothing 
a 130-kilo pre-diabetic middle-aged man with a mullet. There's nothing he needs more. If he's planning on sitting on his ass for the next 30 hours, piloting a friggin' B-double to Sydney, there's nothing a dude like that needs more than a five-gallon bucket of salt-encrusted potato soaked for minutes upon minutes endlessly in canola oil at 200 degrees C. In this novel mafia CO2 accounting system, the user of the primary product pays protection to the alleged green user of the alleged green waste. Classic protection racket. This is green virtue done by a team of consultants who recently worked on PR for Wonderbra. It neatly frees up the virtue, right, for the Polestar 2 or other EV owner who is hell-bent on crossing the nation in the least suitable vehicle of all time for such an activity. Okie dokie. To say nothing of the fact that this mafia protection method of CO2 attribution allows some very dirty processes indeed to become cloaked in the greenest of virtue, provided their downstream quote-unquote waste product can be burnt or otherwise submitted to kermitification for the mass market muppets out there. Like, let us recycle the aluminium containers for all of those old EV batteries eventually down the track. That's sustainable. Recycling aluminium. Who cares about the lithium hexafluorophosphate in the landfill? We're doing the right thing in recycling. <laughs> Here's the second problem, dude. Even if you mafia manage the CO2 and that's okay, how the fuck exactly is burning the chip fat to recharge an EV an example of net CO2 neutrality? This is specifically the question posed by Kevy Blythe just a moment ago. And here's the answer, right? And the thing that gets me about this, I'm just shocked that more people do not see this off the bat. For starters, someone has had to manufacture a diesel generator for this to happen like a full-on diesel engine connected to a generator packed inside a steel box, powering, insofar as I can tell, a 50-kilowatt DC fast charger. So a company, presumably in China, has had to cast the block in the head and do all of the sundry machining and the assembly and a supply all of the additional components, the copper for the generator, etc., the chain that connects the camshaft and the crankshaft and the crankshaft itself and the camshaft and the valves and the springs and all of those doohickeys, right, the bearings, all of those materials, they needed to be mined, let's not forget, and they needed to be transported and subjected to numerous processes along the way, and we needed to cut down a bunch of trees for the friggin' plywood to make the box to ship it in, and the unit itself had to be shipped all the way to Australia, because we make fuck all here, of course, just saying, and then it had to be transported to the bumfuck meridian and placed on a concrete footing, CO2, and that generator needs regular servicing, right? Filters, lubricating oil, etc., coolant, daily checks of essential fluids, 
CO2, and of course, it emits particles and oxides of nitrogen because combustion. The underlying reason for charging it this way, right, for doing this with biofilm, because it was cheaper than a solar array or a fuel cell with an electrolyzer on site. So this was an economic decision, right? Not a green one. Of course, the Kaiguna Roadhouse is the corner penthouse of Nowhere Central. I've been there once. I wrote the shortest book on earth during my brief stay. Things to see and do at the Kaiguna Roadhouse. <laughs> Goes without saying that this place is off the grid, literally off the electricity grid. There are no wires on the air highway outside, right? So Kaiguna runs on diesel, like literally runs on diesel. That is how the lights remain on and the chip fat gets hot enough to make the potato even unhealthier. Therefore, the greenest thing to do with the chip fat, right, would be obviously to run it through the existing diesel generators that keep the friggin' lights on. If it's good enough for the PricewaterhouseCoopers head office in London, right? But it's not as easy to green virtue signal doing that, is it? Bumfuck Meridian dilutes its dependency on diesel. As headlines go, it's just not as sexy as an electric Volvo crossing the Nullarbor with vomit bag at the ready, pioneering spirit. That sound you can hear now above your dry retching into a paper bag is actual pioneer Edward John Eyre spinning in his frigging grave. It also goes without saying that the waste chip fat needs friggin' processing before you can just tip it into biofill, doesn't it? They probably use, to achieve this, a combination of filtration and sedimentation, which means at least a few tanks and filters and a dude to do the dirty work. Chip fat man, just like Iron Man, only in a suit, green suit, obviously, but made entirely of arterial plaque. <laughs> Chip fat man turns a waste product into fuel some superpower. I don't understand why Hollywood hasn't snapped this one up. If Ant-Man can get a run, Chip Fat Man has to be a shoe-in, I'd suggest. Anyway, none of this stuff, the life cycle cost of a brand new diesel generator and its installation, its ongoing servicing, the tanks, the friggin' filters, the attribution of trip, trip and Chip Fat Man's carbon footprint, like does he ride in on his 200 series thrice a week from some humpy in West Bumfuck? I don't know. But he's got to get there somehow. It's not magic. These are just some of the, quote, additional CO2 inputs that Kevy B from earlier just cannot see. The Polestar 2 Long Ranger, okay, it's got a net 72 kilowatt hour battery. So let's say that you arrive at the border between East and West Bumfuck with 12 kilowatt hours remaining on the clock and you just plug into Biofill. You are in the market for 60 kilowatt hours of energy in the battery so you can make it further west or something. So just to put this in perspective, okay, I'm going to work backwards and I'm going to make a few fairly standard industry assumptions, right? 
You can jot these down if you want, and you can check my work using the calculator on your phone. And if you don't know how to do that, then please tell your children to pay more attention than you did to STEM at school, because the future of friggin' humanity might depend on them doing this. And the world will make more sense to them than it does to you in any case, so that's a virtue in and of itself. I'm going to assume that the efficiency of the recharging process on board the Chinese electric Volvo is 85%. Like, it's going to have to crank the cooling system to manage the battery thermally, etc. And it gets pretty hot at Kaiguna, right? So this means wasting 15% of the energy coming out of biofill, and there's no way you can get around doing that. I'm going to assume that the generator powering biofill is like 90% efficient. That's pretty standard. So it's losing 10% of the energy that comes out of the crankshaft on the internal combustion engine. I'm going to assume that the internal combustion engine is running with about 35% efficiency. That'd be pretty generous. And I'm going to assume that the repurposed oil used for fuel approximates canola. And that means it's got about... 38.5 kilojoules per gram of combustion enthalpy, which is significantly less than diesel, now that I think about it, about 14% less. So, guaranteed, dude, the engine is not optimised to run on chip fat. So, I am being very generous indeed if we assume 35% efficiency. And I'm going to assume that the fuel oil is about 910 grams per litre, so that's canola, basically, and of course that one kilowatt hour is 3.6 million joules. And that's all the data that you need to know to run the numbers. Like, it's not that hard. Essentially, you're gonna need about 23 litres of filtered and processed used chip fat to pump 60 kilowatt hours into your Chinese Electro-Swede 2. So if you're running this operation, you'd have to have a bunch of fuel ready to go on site, like stockpiled, and a bunch more in production, allowing the sediment to fall out, etc., which probably takes some time. And of course, you're going to need regular human input from Marvel's next friggin' superhero. And you'd probably have to treat it in some way to prevent algae from growing in it when you stockpile it, and you'd have to separate the water out, etc., Plus, there's clearly a point at which the capacity to supply electrons as EV numbers grow is limited by the transient population's need to develop frigging atherosclerosis. And it would not take a great many EV adventurers lapping the map or something to reach that point of saturation, which is probably the most appropriate term for that. Like, two EVs a day is roughly... 50 litres of waste oil that you need. And that's a shit tonne of chips, I'd suggest. And then what are you going to do? Right? Like, here's John's book, dude. Enjoy your friggin' stay. And finally, perhaps I should point out, just for completeness, having been a consultant for hire by the automotive industry many years ago and having driven across the friggin' Nullarbor in exactly this role for a different car maker. Here's what happens at the end of this kind of PR stunt, typically. The vehicle you use for your stunt and the support vehicle which followed it but does not appear in the shots, basically because it's there in case the primary vehicle shits itself, well, 
both those vehicles go on a truck. And that truck belches CO2 all the way back from Perth to Sydney, a journey of roughly 4,000 kilometres. Said truck probably even stops at the bumfuck meridian so that the driver can jam 10 kilos of fried potato down his pie hole just to make sure that he doesn't succumb to hypoglycemia or scurvy while crossing the continent on the long trip east. That pioneering spirit. And, I guess you could add, he's now doing his bit for sustainability, sacrificing his pancreas for sustainability. Yes. And you and your colleagues, who are likely to be some variation on a PR dude and a photographer, a technician, the driver, perhaps even a paramedic, you lot who've just greenwashed a Chinese electric Volvo right across the nation for no reason other than to get some coverage in the media, just like John Eyre, only staying in motels and eating hot food every night and sleeping in a proper bed and sitting on your asses in a luxury air-conditioned car all day long. But aside from that, it was arduous and uncertain. You fly home in a fucking commercial jet running on kerosene for five hours and you get a taxi home because clearly the electric train is only for peasants. Conclusion. It's a lot easier to sound green than it is actually to be green, isn't it? Greenwashing is the new black for the car industry in 2022. Like, dude, never mind the 300 series. Just look at our Prius. It's got bamboo in the taillight lenses. <laughs> I'd suggest that when the population is generally, scientifically illiterate, they're vulnerable. And it's easy to get them to swallow as much green bullshit as you can serve up. 